Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Campionato di calcio italiano! Hello everybody and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. It's the final part of the year and once again there are just two of us. I'm your host Connor Clancy. I'm joined by Kev Pogzelski. Uh A very exposed Kev Pogzelski. Kev, um, two questions. First is how are you other than hot? And the second question is why are you naked? Uh, I'm on holiday. I'm, I'm fine other than hot. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just us. Last week was the appetizer, tonight's the main course. <laughs> Usually by the second date I'm naked. I don't know what that says about me or my dates over the years, but uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm comfortable. I think we've had far more than two dates as well, surely. Oh, well, but immediate dates, you know, within a week of each other. <laughs> okay, okay. Um and also the listeners are going to get some some ideas. I'm not going to say if they're right or wrong because the other night we were talking about how you've kept me company through a cold and wet Turin night and I mean let them think what they want to think I'm not gonna say that anything is is true or false do you have anything to I'm very to address? Cu- I'm very cuddly That's all <laughs> I, can say, listeners. I cannot confirm nor deny that statement Kev we've got some football to talk about this evening for the fourth time in 10 days and the last time of 2020 which I, I mean can we just take a moment to recap on what a year this has been for for people working around football? My God, there's never been one like it, really. No, absolutely, it's been um, it's been a real struggle. Um, I'm someone that doesn't necessarily like watching games on TV, whether that's as a fan or whether as a neutral. And um, I don't know if you find that sort of similar that you're sort of sat there indoors watching these things on TV, particularly if you're if you've got a vested interest, I feel like I can't react in the same way as I would do in a, a stadium. And also, I think I discussed on a, a previous pod that you kind of get more enjoyment from the whole 
going to the game, meeting people, seeing the things that are going on outside the ground, you know, watching a pocket of fans doing something strange in the corner and sort of feeding off of the environment that you're in rather than just actually what's going on in the on the pitch. Because probably for, I don't know, 60, 70 minutes of a game, the football's relatively sort of subdued, if you like. You know, the action on the pitch isn't what sort of has dragged us all into loving football. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. I personally find it quite difficult to watch football at home now particularly that and I know I'm in a very privileged position to say this but I'm at stadiums every week you know even during this pandemic when when I was back in Italy where I will be returning in two weeks I was lucky enough to to still be getting access thanks to good people at Parma and Sassuolo basically they, they know us so we were quite high up the list of people to get in it, it's been different since I've been home watching on TV again and yeah I mean look I remember when it all kicked off in March, um, we did, I think, three consecutive podcasts where we signed off saying, this might be the last one for a while, but sure enough, it came. And we, we filled the time with, with the My Greatest Game series or My Favourite Game series. I can't remember what it was now, but gave it a quick plug last week as well when Vito brought it up. But if you've not listened to that series, go back and listen to it now, particularly over the next week when there's no football to listen to people no football to watch and listen to people talk about. Um, it's it's worth your while, but what a year it's been. Um, and I mean, the team of the year are rightfully spending Christmas and the new year on top of the Serie A table because AC Milan, Kev, they have been by far and away the best team in Serie A over the last 12 months. And I mean, they're, they're there, they're top. It looked for a while like they weren't going to spend Christmas on top as your drafted match report headline read. But then Teo Hernandez popped up as he so often has for Milan and scored a winner. They beat Lazio 3-2 in dramatic fashion. You covered this for us. I was covering a different game, so I'll hand over to you to give us the recap. Yeah, Milan were uh, a tad bit fortunate that they looked tired. <laughs> uh, last 10 minutes, their man Lazio looked tired. You know, I, you know, I agree with you. They've been the the best side over the calendar year in Italy, and they've certainly been the best side at the start of this season. You kind of just thought it had all the ingredients for Inter to leapfrog them, you know, because they just couldn't. They just didn't have enough in their legs towards the latter start, um, latter part of the game, and arguably probably from the moment they came out for the second half because they started so quickly. Rebic put them in front, um, unmarked from a header after five minutes. Uh, a penalty was dispatched by Chalnoglu uh, 10 minutes later. Um, I think it was 10 minutes later. It might have been uh, five minutes later. But anyway, then then Luis Alberto equalised with half an hour gone after Donnarumma made a fabulous save from an immobile penalty. And then after that, Lazio were dominant. Um, and obviously, it was noticeable that Milan were missing Kessie, um Ibrahimovic obviously has been out for a while. You know, and in midfield they were getting overrun a little bit. Well, not even necessarily overrun. They just couldn't chase down the Lazio players because that Luis Alberto was dictating the play, and and then suddenly, when when you probably didn't even expect Milan to get up the other end of the pitch, they win this corner, and Tio Hernandez manages to find some spring in very tired legs because he'd been up and down the left lane all game and rose highest and sent a powerful header past Pepe Reina, who again, you felt for him because 
moments moments before he'd made a terrific save from Antti Rebic, who probably should have actually won the game before that for Milan because he, he had this powerful low drive that Rainer got brilliantly down to for a man of 38, I think, approaching 39. And then flashed one wide of the post when he probably should have got a strike on target. So all in all, they, it was probably a really a very even game, but Milan just to keep them top, he probably allow them that sort of victory tonight. Teo Hernandez rightfully gets a lot of credit. We'll speak about him in a moment. Stefano Pioli rightfully gets a lot of credit. We'll speak about him in a moment as well. And but the two of those players were there when they ended 2019 with a 5-0 defeat against Atalanta. Theo missed out through, I think it was suspension at the time, but he was in the squad. He was part of that group. Pioli was in charge in Bergamo that day. Ibrahimovic obviously arrived in January, but he wasn't there this evening or for their recent results. What on earth has happened between December 22nd, 2019 and December 23rd, 2020, for Milan to go from losing 5-0 to Atalanta to being the best team in Italy with with no real close competitors? I, I, I don't know about the, the fact that they haven't got any close competitors. I think they've, they've had time. Um, a lot of that team have been there for, for a little while. The, you know, the lockdown may well have helped them um, to sort of bring Pioli's... Uh, Sort of game plan, if you like, to to fruition. Um, there is a, there is an element of sort of the youthful exuberance there. I think when we discussed uh, at the weekend that their average age is twenty two when they when they beat Fiorentina, I think that helps them. Um, when you look at Tiago Hernandez, what he brings them just from energy and getting up and down that that left flank because it kind of allows Calabria to be a, a little bit more. Um, don't want to use the word defensive, but you know, just just to play a, a little bit, bit more conservative. Conservative almost. is exactly the right word I was looking for. Well, thank you. Um, but yeah, uh, if we move on to Tio, he 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 does frustrate. He certainly frustrates me at times tonight. And of all the players that I probably didn't want to pop up with the winner, <laughs> you know, you 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 were covering another game. But if you go in, if you go back and watch the game after about twenty minutes. Um, can't think if I can't think who it was now, but they they put his their their arm on his shoulder, and he throws himself to the floor, uh, like he'd been shot. And then when you consider that the Lazio penalty was questionable because Kalulu, you know, brushed Correa's head uh, ankle as they tried to rise for a header, and actually Correa won the header, but still the penalty was awarded. Um, any Milan fans out there that will defend Tio Hernandez's antics for that foul. Uh, I'll show you who, I, 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 you know, if they're not embarrassed by it, I'll show you a liar because they should be. And then they can't really complain when something as soft as the, the penalty decision went, goes against you because you can't have it both ways. But I mean, that what Theo did just sounds like what every footballer does now, right? It's not a big thing, is it? Yeah, watch this one back. It's 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 bizarre because the the, the player just like to to kind of get not even get your bearings because you're looking at each other. It's just a natural hand is brushed across the uh, collarbone. So it's not even as you know if it's if he's tackled him and you know his an ankle's brushed ankle, then yes, it's exactly everything what every player does. 
but um yeah it it, it is kind of what goes on now but it's it's laughable mm. right fair enough fair enough look we're not going to go into this any further. We've been speaking, well, you've been speaking for quite a while and we've got a, a few more games to, to jam in before we move on. And I think the biggest victims of this result in Milan are actually Fiorentina because, I mean, they went up to Turin and they won 3-0. And surprisingly, it wasn't against Torino. They, they beat Juve 3-0 at the Allianz Stadium. And Kev, I can't be alone in being dumbstruck by this where on earth did this come from and and don't just say Leo Bonucci <laughs> yeah of course uh, the, he didn't have the greatest of nights but uh, this is kind of I think I mean again because it happened last night um, rather than tonight I think obviously it, it's gone a bit towards the back of our, our schedule but it's, it's the result that I I've kind of been expecting for some time with Juventus, you know, because it, it, it just, just watching them because of how often they're on, they're on uh, TV, watching them so regularly, just was, I was flabbergasted that they'd managed to get this far being undefeated. Then you tie in the fact that it's Fiorentina who have just looked inconsistent. Even that might be being favourable. They've sort of flattered to deceive at times. And, and then suddenly they just, Blew Juventus away almost from the from the first from the first moment the game kicked off. Um, I think they were ahead within three minutes. I think the yeah, the poor touch from uh, poor touch from Lajovic actually benefits him because it means he has to take that chance take take the next touch is chipping the ball over Chesney, which was a beautiful finish. But they were first at everything. The you know I, I, there was I saw some Juventus. Um, Fans on on social media saying about how far Juventus were off it. You know they're passing. You know misplaced mm. passes from Bonucci and, and plenty of others on the on the field, uh, and also the the impact that uh, the Quadrado sending off had. But actually, a lot of that came from the pressure that Fiorentina were putting on Juventus on the night. Uh, and I think they did yeah, I mean, great credit. Uh, Juve, Juve were rubbish though. That that wasn't a, a very typical Juve performance. They they were all over the place, but I do think we should give credit to Fiorentina because I mean they got recently they drew against Verona and Sassuolo, which if you had said that two years ago, that's they, they are nothing results. But given Sassuolo go into Christmas fourth, and Verona had impressed. I mean they beat who did they beat? They beat Lazio and they beat Atalanta not too long before that game against Fiorentina. So hats off to them for those results as well. But this. Where where has it come from? Because Borja Valero probably put in his best performance in Serie A for what? I don't think it's an exaggeration to say since his first spell at Fiorentina. Um, Dusan Vlaovic was, was good, helped by a bad touch, yeah, for sure. Frank Ribery was excellent. And they were quite solid. I mean, they didn't have too much to worry about at the back. And once the defence was breached, they had Drangovsky there to to sort everything out. He, he almost cost them, I should say, with, with a bit of an error. But that was remarkable from Fiorentina. And they'll go into Christmas now thinking that things aren't all that bad anymore. Yeah, because I, I don't want to be too negative with Fiorentina, but it was a little bit of a, a, a perfect storm where they've started the game so well. They've taken the lead. 
Then they've they've had Juventus go down to Teb. Then they're watching the players play terribly on the back of those results against Verona and Sassuolo. And, and and I think it just bred confidence, and you could see them thriving off of. You spoke about Valero's performance, but also Frank Ribery, just the experience to kind of corral the players, keep you know maybe because there's a, there's a fine line between the early goal and the sending off giving you confidence, and then you being overconfident making a mistake, suddenly Juventus are back in the game. And then you, you know, I think as a few people I was speaking to expected, this has got 2-1 Juve, you know, two late goals in 20 minutes written all over it. But actually those experienced heads uh, around the other players. And, you know, and, and, and I think even the, the goalkeeper, um, because he's been around for so long, I, you know, can't tell you off the top of my head how old he is. I mean, he also breeds that confidence. And I think Milinkovic had a good game centre-half. But actually it's probably hard to pick out a player that didn't have a, a good game for Fiorentina on Tuesday night. It is impressive, right? Because Drangovski's only 23 years old. But you're right, he does just give off that confidence, even from when he was with Empoli. And I'll always remember, every time I see him, I think of this game where he made about 79,000 saves against Atalanta. And I think Empoli won 1-0, or it was 0-0. It was a poor result from Atalanta's perspective anyway. And Drangovski was just incredible. And he went to Fiorentina, and he's... He's not exactly helped out by who he's playing behind. You know, it, it hasn't been a great situation for him. And he has saved them on a number of occasions. There have been a few times where I've gone to the Frankie and he has just kept them in games. But yeah, this is something that they could definitely build on. They they do have players who seem quite, you know, their their ego, their confidence kind of goes with the wind. Right and and if things are going well, they they're on top of the world. Castrovilli is kind of one of those uh, along the back line as well. There'd be a few more, and they have these heads now. And I would consider Drangovski in one of those. Like he seems like a winner. Uh, Bonaventura as well seems like a bit of a winner. Um, Ribery obviously speaks for himself too, and there is some promise there. I, I do think that getting rid of Beppe Iacchini was the best thing they could have done. They, they never should have given him the contract to to extend his stay. And Prandelli, I, I mean, it, it took its time, but it, he's starting to get results now. And 3-0 at Juve is not a fluke. If they had fluked a 1-0 against 10 men, you know, it'd be one thing. But yeah, I was one of those people that even when Juve were down to 10 men and 1-0 behind, I thought, Juve are winning this. And Juve are going to win this comfortably, you know? But it wasn't to be. Fiorentina hats off and um, so there is a bit of a stiff competition for the outro music this week because I had Fiorentina pegged down as guaranteed and then Teo did that so it's kind of hard not to choose Milan but I think in terms of the result given where both teams were coming into it I, I, I do think the Fiorentina winning away at Juve is probably the biggest result of the of the round correct me if I'm wrong yeah no I, I would agree with that Colin. Uh second place Inter they were very nearly top at Christmas, thanks to a 2-1 win at Verona, which is a big result in itself. Lautaro Martinez and Milan Skriniar scored for the Nerazzurri, and Ivan Illich scored for Verona. And, right, we're going to start with Illich's goal, because it was amazing for all the wrong reasons for Inter. Uh, an absolute disastrous mix-up. We didn't even talk about Bonucci's disastrous defending, by the way, but we'll let him away with it. Um, but this was of that level. I mean, Handanovic, I nearly called him Begovic there. Did he play in Italy for a bit, Asmir Begovic? He was with Milan Maybe. for a little while, wasn't he? But he I was, wasn't he? I not how often he played, but... 
Probably not very often. But anyway, he dropped one at the feet of Skriniar, who, who then just let Illich put his leg through his... So, <laughs> Illich's leg nutmegged Skriniar. The ball didn't, but Illich's leg did, and he just poked it in from, what, two yards? Yeah, but I'm having... I'm having no blame on Skriniar there. Because, no, I agree. Because he's a, he's a yard away from Handanovic. And mm. and also it's poked home probably within half a second, if not, a, you know, if a second from when it sort of hits the floor and lands between his legs. Um, and and, and there's a, there was a great clip on one of the replays where you could see he's like, oh, shit. But then you also then see Handanovic's like, look, look, they look each other dead in the eye. And instantly you can tell Handanovic is like, yeah, there is nobody else to blame here but myself. So <laughs> don't take any blame for that. But and actually, I think if that hadn't if that hadn't happened, um, although Inter did their usual thing where they kind of sat back a little after taking the lead, I think they probably were good for their good for their victory. Although it it was a little bit of a poor first half. Inter just seemed to. They almost looked like hopeless balls up towards the attackers. There was kind of no connection between themselves and mid midfield until the second half. And whatever Conte said at, at, at half time, Inter came out and looked much the better side in the in the mm. second half and rightly took the lead for a lovely um, Martinez volley from a Hakimi cross. Yeah, I mean, you would have felt sorry for Barella and Brozovic in that first half because they would have spent most of the time just looking up at the sky at the ball flying over their heads and they'll probably wake up tomorrow with sore necks but yeah they, they were improved in the second half Romelu Lukaku though Kevy so good even when he doesn't score him and Lautaro Martinez are carrying this Inter team he's there were a couple of spells where he was just anytime a Verona player got close enough to him they bounced six yards back and his turn of pace as well is something that I don't think people talk about quite enough no, and his um his close control to actually get away from him to have that burst of speed uh for on goal at times, but as you you know, it's the first half. You talk about that 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 strength or awareness to hold the players off of him. The balls just weren't getting into his feet, or even when they were directing balls down the channel. You know, they were just bypassing midfield, sending it into the channel, and him and uh, Lautaro were just forced to run aimlessly into the space just so. They just didn't recover the ball so easily. But once... Um, I can't even remember if the balls were then coming from defence or coming from midfield, but they, they finally started finding Lukaku uh, in attack and he was allowing them to bring the other players into into play. Yeah, sorry, I just I just got distracted. I just saw Simone Inzaghi's post-match comments popped up and he seems to be doing a bit of an... Antonio Conte, but we won't get into that. One thing that I do need to say about Lukaku is the the intelligence of his touches when he's when he's running with the ball. And by that, I mean, he knows when to dribble and when to just knock it 20 yards in front of him and run onto it. If he's got space to run into, he, he almost removes the chance of him making a mistake with his touch by just belting it ahead like he's playing a through ball to himself and running onto it because it speeds him up. So he's not having to touch the ball every second step. And it's just, it's so effective. And you don't see players do that all that often, except for like, you know, a pacey wingback. Teo, for example, when he's getting forward, will just try to run mm. without trying to dribble necessarily. And I, I think it's 
something that doesn't get picked up on. So I just want to give Lukaku some love for that. Who are even in third place? It's Roma. Roma. Remarkably, given what happened. But uh, look, we're recording this straight after the games and there's only two of us. So I didn't see this game. You didn't see this game. But they they won 3-2. Jordan Veratu, Edin Dzeko and Gianluca Mancini scored. And Joao Pedro scored twice for Cagliari. Yeah, I've got big it. win. I've got it on now actually. I've, I've watched in the first half along and it just all looks Roma. They were they look they looked fortunate because their two uh volleys is shot into the floor <laughs> and then it loops over the goalkeeper into the net. It looks like they're taking that lead into the to the half-time break, but <sighs> we won't look, we won't go into this game specifically, but we're looking at the top 4 and this is the top 4 at Christmas, right? This isn't like in in October or anything, and Roma and Sassuolo are there. I bet if you went back through our preseason predictions, not one of us would have had either Roma or Sassuolo in the top four. No, I think I only have Milan coming in, and I think it was Lazio potentially dropping out for me from last season's top four. Mm. Um. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, I think I had, not in this order, I had Milan, Inter, Juve and Atalanta. Um, I think I had Milan in fourth, but Sassuolo got another win, right? They beat, who did they beat? They beat Sampdoria. So this this was a glorious day for me, Kev, because Sassuolo beat Sampdoria 3-2. Chicha Caputo came back and scored and Fabio Quagliarella both scored as well. And I didn't tweet you. No, well, I'll... With what was going on in Milan, I would have had no chance to see it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but as we 
as we said at the weekend, uh, and, uh, given the way this season's gone, if he gets his 15 goals or whatever it was, I'll happily take you out for yeah. dinner with clothes on. Well, it's on. 13, Kevin. He's on seven, so it's happening. Okay. It's happening. Um, right, so elsewhere, I guess the big shock of this round was that Napoli played Torino at home and they managed to not win. I mean, they went 90 minutes losing 1-0 almost, right? They, they, they lost 1-0 after 90 minutes, but they scored through Lorenzo Insigne in the 92nd minute to equalise against Torino. That is not a good result. And Napoli are starting to to stutter just a little bit. Yeah, they were they were poor uh, last week when they lost to Inter, just finishing-wise. I spoke at the weekend on, on how they really, really lacked anything in attack with uh, Insigne and Mertens not there. Um, I had this on alongside Milan, uh, Lazio tonight, and it almost looked more Torino on the attack than it did Napoli, which is a, a concern just when you're sort of skimming over the game. Um, the only real positive is if you if you get to see the Insigne equaliser, it's a lovely first time sort of side-footed volley just as the ball kind of skips up. I think it bounces once and he hits it maybe half a yard off of the ground but manages to bend it as well with the, the side of his foot around the goalkeeper in his top corner. But they're lucky and they'll probably be thankful for the break to sort of get together and focus on what they um they want to do in the in the new year. Because I, I, I thought I heard that they were gonna go uh into a, a retorno again. Ah, uh, into yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, with, with De Laurentiis in charge there, you know, he tends to demand these things elsewhere. The the Ligurian derby played in Emilia Romagna finished with Genoa beating Spezia 2-1. Big result for them. Benevento beat Udinese in Udine 2-0. And lastly, the, the game which opened the round was Crotone beat Parma 2-1 with, I think, their second win of the season. But Parma, losing away to Crotone, I mean, I'm... I'm of the opinion now where I would be very, very surprised if Fabio Liverani is in charge. A, when when we come back in January and B, at the end of the January transfer window, if they've got Torino and Atalanta, I think, are their next two. If they don't get four points from that, I mean, Liverani's going to be in big, big trouble. Yeah, and I think the fact you mentioned the transfer window, if there's any possibility that they can do some business whether that's loans or whatever then you've got to question why you would keep him in post if you would potentially part ways at the end of January after the window mm. closes so you're probably better off cutting your losses now while mm. they're again probably regrouping like a few clubs when the you know now we've hit the festive break but they didn't look we good say no, they didn't. They haven't for most of the season. We should say just on the, the Genoa game, the Genoa obviously changed coach. Rolando Moran got sacked in the week and Davide Ballardini came back for a fourth stint at the club. I wonder how that's going to end, Kev, but we won't get into that. We'll save that for Vito when he's back in January. Look, I'm I'm happy to, to end things quite shortly after we talk about this. And I know I'm putting you on the spot with this because I didn't tell you I was going to do this and I didn't know I was going to do this but it's the last part of the year so what's been your standout moment it can be something good something bad something funny something anything 
that you think um, stands out from 2020? Being put on the spot, um, and they'll probably get pelters for this. I oh, think, are you going to slate Milan? No, no. I, I think what, um, what I'm most pleased about is that we we do finally, and, and I hope it's not because of the the situation that clubs are being forced to play in, but that we saw kind of we have a race, and I, maybe I don't want to call it have a race, but we've got that competitive element to the top end of Syria, you know, and it's not just Juve walking away away from it. I, I think that's that's it, it's oversimplifying it to think that Juve have dropped so significantly, and it isn't because. <laughs> into a grinding out results. Milan have obviously coming back and playing great under Pioli. Um, we've had Atalanta, and actually that's probably another plus point. Seeing the likes of Atalanta make the Champions League quarterfinals uh, mm. this year, last sixteen. Oh uh, right, sorry, last season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, albeit under strange circumstances, because you were playing one-off games in the tournament in, in Portugal. Um, All right, it should be said though, Atalanta qualified for the quarterfinals before all of the madness kicked in. Mm. Oh, yeah. So then we probably shouldn't dwell on actual, their actual performance in the quarterfinals. <laughs> but actually, then then, and then again, actually, the uh, that would have still been within this calendar year that they turned over Valencia, just as we were coming into yeah. the... Uh, yeah, so probably Atalanta's progress through the Champions League and the fact that things have kind of levelled off a little bit in in Serie A and I don't think it's all due to Juventus sort of plummeting suddenly mm. I'm glad you've mentioned Atalanta because it means that it, A they're deserving of the mention and I don't need to do it so it, it seems a bit more sincere there and I can talk about something else and I think one of the the moments that comes to mind immediately as almost something that defines 2020 just because of the sheer confusion that surrounded it was, do you remember back in March, I believe it was, it might have been February, it was probably March though, when we were at that weird stage where some games were happening and some games weren't happening and some games had fans and some games didn't have fans and Parma hosted Spal and I wasn't allowed go because nobody was really allowed go and I was watching at home, I, I think you might have been as well and the, the game was delayed. Um, nobody knew why. We were thinking, what, what's happening here? The, the game's delayed. There's no fans here. There's barely any press here and they're delaying the game despite all the players being here already. Yeah. And then... Had they gone out as well for like the pre-warm-up? They had warmed yes. up and then the game was, was delayed and then they decided that the game was going to be played, I can't remember exactly, like 15 minutes later or 45 minutes later or maybe an hour later and then they were all ready to come out and they were in the tunnel and the camera went into the tunnel and then you just see Andrea Batania going mad and storming back to the dressing room and then all the players went back to the dressing room again and it looked like the game was going to be cancelled. Eventually, the game was played. It finished 1-0. Batania scored a penalty. Dreadful game, obviously, because those circumstances. And I think that just really summed up what this year has been. Like, utter confusion. Just... Not knowing what's going to happen in in five minutes, it's been impossible to make plans to to go to different games or even to, I mean, to meet your mate at the bar because you don't know if it's going to be legal the next day. It's been a crazy, crazy year. 
And then in terms of on the pitch, I think this this might be a, a little bit of a selfish one for me as well because of where I live. But Sassuolo, Chicho Caputo in particular, I mean, he hadn't played in Serie A until, what, three years ago? He came up with Empoli and tore it up with, with Empoli, who got relegated, got his move to Sassuolo, and he hasn't stopped. So th- those will be my two things. The, the madness of that Palma Spal game when, when coronavirus becoming a thing and Francesco Ciccio Caputo, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Kev, have, have you any final thoughts, anything to say to our, our lovely listeners before we sign off for Christmas and the new year? No, I I just think I think uh, a Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, one and all. If if you're one to celebrate Christmas, yeah, for sure, have a good one. If you're not, well, please forgive us for taking. What are we gonna have off from from the podcast? Ten days after doing four podcasts in ten days, I think we're entitled to ten days without speaking to each other. Um, we'll be back in the new year. I think the first round of fixtures are finishing on the 3rd of January so expect us around then we don't really have the usual Christmas break so yeah wherever you are have a good Christmas have a good new year and we'll speak to you in 2021 let's hope it's a bit more normal than this past 12 months I've been speak to you soon bye everyone tifosi viola e il vostro amico baglini che insieme a Narciso Parigi vi invita ad aiutarci con tutto il vostro entusiasmo a sostenere la nostra squadra nei momenti favorevoli o no per condurla a sempre maggiori successi. Garrisca vento in la mano viola sui campi della del valore una speranza viva ci consola abbiamo un vice atleti e un solo cuore oh Fiorentina di ogni squadra ti vogliamo regina oh Fiorentina un batto un gardita con Viola lotta con vigore per essere di Firenze vanto e gloria sul suo vessillo scrivi forza e cuore e nostra sarà sempre la vittoria oh Fiorentina di ogni squadra ti vogliamo regina oh Fiorentina un fatto lungo vita con
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.